Hey everyone, so you want to know how to use Anchor, right? I'm here to inform, guide, and help you on how to use Anchor. Anchor is a phone app and hosting site owned by Spotify. It's the awesome idea to start creating your podcast by attempting to be the one-stop shop for podcasters without an extensive technical background. You can follow the vertical integration model, meaning that you can record, distribute, and monetize your podcast. Why are you struggling with paying a hosting site which includes promoting your show with limited storages? Forget about it. It's the simple fact that unlimited storage is free. It includes recording, adding music, intros, outros, and uploading episodes. Plus, you get paid some money to put in your pocket through sponsorships with no minimum listenership. That's fantastic and magnificent, isn't it? These are the important things to create and make a podcast. You can download Anchor on your phones, tablets, laptops, and computers, or you can check out anchor.fm so you can get a head start on your podcast right now. Remember, if you have a dream of creating your own podcast, don't let anyone stop you from achieving your goals and dreams. If I can reach the amount of success loving what I'd love to do in this career, podcasting field so can you i'm g money stacks thank you for listening and have fun with your podcast let's go Okay, good evening, USA, Canada, worldwide, Long Island, aka Strong Island, plus the five, five boroughs of Brooklyn, Bronx, Manhattan, Staten Island, and Queens. I'm your man, G Money Stacks, aka the Greginator, YouTuber, creator, host with the most, 
Misunderstood Lonely Nomad, the 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 unstoppable independent podcaster and rookie podcaster of Queens, New York. And you are now rocking with the 27th episode of Excellent Fun Vibrant Podcast, the sports edition show, where we talk about everything in sports in terms of baseball, basketball, football, you just name it. Um, and we are live and direct from StreamYard and YouTube alongside with the Instagram live feed, which is which is the um same name as the show on Instagram. So make sure you turn on your notifications so you can see me in action. If you have any comments on the topics that's going to be discussed today, um feel free to jump in the comments in the Instagram live feed as well as the YouTube um comments as well. So there you go right there. Now, um, now I'm gonna cut to the chase. To, uh, and I, I'm gonna cut to the chase right here. Um, I do apologize for um delaying the episode. Um, I, I had some late dinners and stuff, so that's why I couldn't really, I couldn't really necessarily um get get there in time. So that's what's been going on so um now that i'm here um let's let's go ahead and get to the quick side bleacher bar all right let's do this okay um now, this has been talked about for quite some time, actually, and this is in regards to Brittany Griner. All right, so, so this is according to Vox right here. So, so basically, Brittany Griner is arguably the WNBA's biggest star and one of the best basketball players of all time, standing at six foot nine. Her prow- prowess on and off the court. Is hard to miss. Um, she's she's like nobody who has ever played, and she has dominated every level she's ever been. ESPN investigate investigative reporter TJ Quinn says on Vox's Daily News Explainer podcast today explained. Um, and then she's also become kind of a cultural icon as well for her sexuality, for her struggles. With mental health issues, she's become someone who's really is more than an athlete to the people who follow her. But like many WNBA players, the lack of equitable pay drew her to playing in Russia, where she is now detained after Moscow airport security found cannabis oil in her luggage. Oh, really? Now the U.S. State Department is turning up the heat to free Griner. Excuse me. This episode of Today Explained explores what it might take to bring her home. A partial transcript of our conversation edited for length and clarity is below. Um, T.J. Quinn, 
Brittany Griner is one of the greatest players in the history of the, her game. She was the best high school player in the country. She signed with Baylor, won a national title there. All-American, the number one um, overall draft pick in the, in the WNBA when she went professional. Um, um, perennial all-star. What stands out is her size, and she plays a sort of physical dominant game, both defensively and offensively, that stands out. But she also dunks in games, which is not common in the WNBA. Okay, so, so Sean Swarren says, so it's fair to say, that she's one of the best players in the WNBA. TJ Quinn says one of the best players in basketball history. Uh, what is one of the best players in basketball history doing in Russia? The women who play in the WNBA, which is the highest level of basketball played in that sport, can only make a few hundred thousand dollars at the most. There's a hard salary cap um for what they can make they are limited marketing um opportunities for women who play professional basketball but in russia as in a number of countries in europe and the middle east she's able to make more than a million dollars playing for one of the teams there that's owned by um oligarchs so there's this long history of WNBA players making something that would be a good salary for most people, but really low for someone of their skill going to Russia, Turkey, where they make much higher salaries. And so she has been spending her offseason making three or four, sometimes five times the salary she could make in the U.S. by playing in Russia. Um, okay, so let's talk about how Brittany Griner ends up being detained in Russia. Where does the story start? So that starts February 17th when she flew over there, as she has many times and landed at the airport outside of Moscow. You watched in the, you watching the video that customs official released and she's just going through the baggage check line no check like normal and then she gets pulled out of the line what happens after that is a this is in dispute she actually has not said one way or the other nor have her representatives and from that time on she was in custody but there was no attention to it in this country. Russia didn't announce it. They kept a very low profile. Her representatives were almost immediately in, the, in contact with the U.S. State Department. And the advice that the State the Department gave them was, look, you need to keep a low profile right now. There are two directions this can go. Russia has nominated nominally at least a criminal justice system it is 
quite demonstrably corrupt and subject to the rule of one man, Vladimir Putin and his government. But there is one and it does operate. And until they have some idea of how she's being treated, it's better for you to keep a low prof a, a low profile because the other path is if she becomes too valuable, if there's a ton of attention to her, well, then she's a potential asset to Putin and his government for something that they want to trade for. <coughs> and that was not the road you wanted to be on. They followed the State Department's advice and kept a very low profile until about three weeks later in early March, Russian customs officials did announce it. And when in this country, we heard that she had been detained, there was this media response. Wait a second. How can one of the world's best athletes have been in detention for more than two weeks and nobody knew about it? And that was intentional. They really wanted to keep a low profile. She got lawyers over there trying to see, can we work this out through the criminal justice system? And then when you had a number of members of Congress, hold on a second, hang on, hang on. Numbers of Congress, hold on, hold on. Yeah, you have a number of Congress and prominent athletes raising the issue of if this, hold on, if, wait. If this were a male athlete, if this was LeBron James or somebody, people would be going out of their minds. The people who would support Brittany Griner lament the inequities in women's sports in this country. But in this one case, Here's where it worked to their advantage because they felt like, okay, let's just keep quiet as long as we can. See if we can work this out. Because if she becomes essentially essentially a hostage to Putin, then you are in a whole new world. Um, as Sean says, as I recall, because this was happening so close to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, it felt like Russia maybe was trying to get a little leverage on the United States, potentially, by detaining this star athlete for having hash-ish hash hash, hash oil on her. TJ Quinn says, it, it's entirely possible, and the people who followed Russia immediately thought of the fact that there is a well-established history of Russian law enforcement planting drugs on people in order to arrest them. This is what they do. And even though the war hadn't started, the invasion hadn't started yet from February 17th, they knew it was coming. So for those inclined to think this was a setup, the pieces were there. There's Russia's history of doing that. The fact that she's high profile, easily inf I identifiable, the, the fact that she's also a six foot nine black lesbian, which is which in Putin's Russia's 
is a warning to all good Russian mothers. Look what will happen to your children if you liberalize like the West. They knew that the motivation was there and that she was potentially a chip to trade for something if they wanted it. But there are also a number of people who say, in quote, well, wait a second, they're not making a big deal out of this. They arrested her. It's entirely possible that she did do it. And just because they are politicizing it or that they will be willing to trade for her doesn't mean that necessarily. She didn't actually commit the crime she was accused of. Who knows? But who? But you know what's become clear to the U.S. government at some point is that Russia is open for business and that they don't need to wait a year for her to go to jail. You can hold someone in pretrial detention for a year over there. That it's time to start moving. And uh, Sean says, so mum's the word when everyone finds out. But now here we are. Almost 80 days later, do we know what Brittany's experience has been? Has she been able to speak out publicly? And TJ says, she hasn't at all. The only connection to her has been her representatives to her lawyers. lawyers. U.S. Um, consular officials were able to visit her back in March and reported that she was okay. What I'm learning from people around her is that she's good, considering, I mean, she's in jail in a foreign country. She doesn't speak the language. Supposedly, there are people around her who do speak English. She was reading. She has reading material. There were reports that it was there were reports that it was tough to find a bed to fit her, which would make sense. She is six foot nine and that she's doing okay considering but there's no no way to independently verify that just imagine showing up for the start of a season and the biggest player in the game is not there you can't just pretend all of a sudden that babe ruth or michael jordan or somebody just isn't there and it and it's been tough for players who wanted wanted to speak out more but now they they know that they have some freedom to start doing that you saw some incremental increase in how much they were talking about her at the WNBA draft a few weeks ago the first statement out of the commissioner's mouth was about Brittany Griner and just last week there was a discussion about putting a decal on the floor of games and these are all deliberate it's all strategic to slowly start to ramp up the amount of attention that her case is getting and sean says the u.s government's now talking about her too and tj says that was the big change the people around her were just sort of waiting for permission or a sign that now it's time to really start speaking out. When you talk about 
protest, you've got to think about who it is, who it is that you are actually protesting. Or you or are you just are you just trying to create public pressure against Vladimir Putin? Because that's probably not going to work. This is somebody who launched an invasion, united much of the world against him, has been hit with the biggest sanctions in geopolitical history, and that didn't change him. So it seems unlikely that a hashtag is going to influence what he does. The real pressure that they want to create is with the U.S. government to try to force the White House and the State Department to make her a priority to cut a deal and get her home. And that's where you see some tension. The families of Brittany Griner and former U.S. Marine Trevor Reed, who was detained in Russia for more than two years and just came home, have one go, and that's to get their loved ones home the u.s government has multiple goals it's trying to one get those americans back to not create a pres precedent that they fear is going to put more americans in danger by creating an, an incentive um and three serve larger geopolitical interests so what the families want to do is put as much pressure on the u.s government as they can and the feeling that if they can put this in the forefront of joe biden's mind it does a lot of good if the if the president of the united states or ron Klain, his chief of staff is calling over to the state department saying what's going on that might be the sort of pressure that moves things along and um and yeah, so that's pretty much what happened to Brittany Griner. Okay, so all right, so up next is what we're going to talk about up next is um okay, so there's this uh I've been saving this for quite some time, actually, in regards to a, hold on a second, hold on, hold on, wait a second here, here we go, here we go, so, Hold on a second, folks. Okay, so so there's been a recent NASCAR fight. Hold on a second. Let me just break this down here. And this is from Racing News. This is from the Racing News um website here. And this took place May 28th. This was published. So let's see. Um, so on Saturday, the NASCAR Xfinity Series raced at Charlotte Motor, Motor Speedway. The race didn't go without drama. Watch Jeb Burton versus Noah um, Gregson video below. 
nor Graxon appeared to have one of the more dominant cars. However, his machine went down a cylinder early in the race. Despite that, Graxon remained on the track and competitive. After the race, Jeff Burton was angry with Nor Graxon as the teams pushed cars from the pit lane to the garage. Jeb Burton was walking behind Nor Graxon. The two drivers traded words. Jeb Burton confronts Noah Graxon. I'll wreck the, the dog fuck out of you, Jeb Burton told Noah Graxon as they walked to the garage area. You think I'm scared of you? Graxon replies, saying something about winning. Yeah, because you write a fucking blank check. I don't fucking have that. JRM employee chimed in, zero truth to that. Dale Earnhardt Jr. responded to the video speaking on his employee, Kristen Bauer, I believe she don't play. Burton responded to the JRM employee, oh, zero, okay. Graxon then responded saying something about wrecking every, every week. If I wanted to wreck you, you wouldn't be walking right now. Um, the two drivers then walked in separate directions. Um, Graxon comments, no, not worth my time. I focus on guys that win races. Graxon told Noah Lewis on if he had a comment on the conversation with Jeb. Burton responded to the comment above tw- via Twitter. <clears throat> Burton stated, and like I said to his face, the only reason he's in the car is is because of the check. I've been in the same stuff and outran him almost every race. Go look at the stats. It's worth noting that two years ago, Gregson and Harrison Burton got into a fist fight. Gregson and Harrison Burton fight just days after a NASCAR member hefty fines possible. And this is what he said on Twitter. Fiery words from Jeb Burton racing and Nora Gregson post-race. And I'll wreck the, the fuck out of you. Jeb declined to comment. Posted Noah's quick remarks below. Yeah, that, that right there. Man. This is crazy, man. Like two grown ass men fighting and stuff. Come on, man. Yeah. All right. So up next. Up next, what we have here is is um I've been saving this for quite some time in regards to Colin Kaepernick. All right. Um okay. So now months ago so so basically um this is according to the mix.net months ago okay so Colin Kaepernick is being mocked for trying to return to the NFL just 6 months after he compared the league to slavery Earlier this week, we reported that the former San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick was affecting, effectively begging teams in the NFL to sign him again, despite the fact that 
it's been over five years since he last played professional football. Unfortunately for Kaepernick, this is now blowing up in his face as he's being mocked for wanting to go back to the NFL after he compared the league to slavery in his Netflix docuseries last year. And um, and this is what Clay Thomas said. In the space of six months, Kaepernick has been gone from arguing the, the NFL is slavery to begging to be let back on the plantation. Watch this video and tell me this guy isn't the biggest fraud in sports history. So, Kaepernick called out for his his his, his hypocrisy. Hmm. Conservative media personality Clay Travis respo- responded to Kaepernick trying to get back in the NFL by remaining the, the world that the former quarterback had likened leaked to slavery in his Netflix docuseries Colin in Black and White just last year. I want to talk about this hypocrisy with Colin Kaepernick, Travis told Fox Sports Radio. Colin Kaepernick six months ago in, an, in his Netflix documentary um, special argued that NFL players were the equivalent of modern day slaves. He equated the NFL combine to modern day slavery, which is crazy. I don't know why you would do that. NFL players are not slaves. Travis went on to point out just how ridiculous and offensive it is to compare NFL players who live their dream while making millions at the same time to slaves. Correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but I don't remember many very many slaves becoming hundred millionaires by playing their sports, um, i.e., being involved in slavery. Travis said. Also, um, don't remember slavery being voluntary, and I don't remember you being able to hold out if you weren't paid enough money. This is such a ludicrous argument that anyone with a functional brain who has in any way defended Colin Kaepernick should be embarrassed by that choice that they've made. Six months ago, um, he says NFL players are slaves and it's modern day slavery. And now he shows up at at Michigan's spring game and threw on the field during the game. And then after the game begged for the NFL team to sign him, he continued, is Colin Kaepernick now begging for the opportunity to become, to be one of the NFL slaves again? It doesn't make any sense at all. Hmm. This sums up who Kaepernick is. Travis concluded by saying that this entire situation perfectly sums up who Kaepernick is as a man. Remember, this is someone who became a household name by taking a knee during the national anthem, and he proceeded to make millions off bashing America through lucrative deals with brands like Nike and Netflix. This is what you have to understand about the essence of Colin Kaepernick. He isn't even capable of making a coherent or logical, consistent argument about what he is advocating for, Travis said. It's why he he's done almost no interviews. 
it's why he rarely he, he rarely if ever speaks to the media in any way because he does not have a sophisticated enough understanding of anything people who have argued in favor of Colin Kaepernick which is the vast majority of the sports media have actually embarrassed themselves over the way they are behaving he concluded it's both ridiculous and infuriating that he left continues to prop up Kaepernick as some kind of woke martyr when he's really just someone who will do and say anything just to make a buck for himself. Here's hoping NFL teams see things Travis way and decide that Kaepernick is not worth the trouble of signing. Hmm. Um, let's see. Let me see. Let me see. Um, anyway. Another Kaepernick news. Um, okay. So only the Las Vegas Raiders know where whether Kaep- Colin Kaepernick is still good enough to play quarterback in the NFL. Kaepernick tried out for the Raiders on Wednesday. It was his first legit tryout in years. He hasn't appeared in the game since the 2016 season when he started. 11 games for a two-win San Francisco team. He was cut in early 2017 and hasn't garnered much interest since, at least some of it because of his decision to kneel during during the playing of the national anthem that season. Um, is he at age 34 still capable? The Raiders aren't saying. We will only talk about the people that are on our team, said Coach Josh McDaniels. Um, not to be confused with um, Uncle Ralph McDaniels, folks. Um, echoing an old policy of the New England Patriots, where McDaniels has twice served as Bill Belichick's um, right hand. We really don't make comments about the evaluations that we made or what they looked like. They what they didn't look like, strengths and weaknesses, those kinds of things. It makes sense why provide an evaluation for a player who is still free to sign elsewhere right now. That doesn't mean Kaepernick didn't answer some questions on Wednesday. Some of them nagging and some of them perhaps significant in his quest to play football again. The first is that he genuinely wants to return to the NFL, fair or not. There was a perception among some in the league that Kaepernick was content in his post-football life. And while he often said he wanted to still play, his motivation wasn't complete. NFL teams, at least in part um, because of his political activism, had expressed little interest in even trying him out. Kaepernick's final days in San Francisco were a far cry from his peak of 2012 and 2013 when he led the 49ers to the playoffs. 
never a big time passer. He his game relied on his running ability. As that began to fade, so did so too did his overall play. His final two seasons, he failed to complete 60% of his passes and needed a slew of injuries. However, considering the annual parade of middling quarterbacks to suit up each week and even start due to injury late in the season, there was little doubt his exclusion from the league wasn't just performance-based. Still, Kaepernick was unable to convince anyone to give him a chance and the concept that he didn't really want to play because, no, excuse me, became an an easy out for the NFL teams. This was especially pronounced on November 12, 2019, when the NFL set up a workout for him in front of any teams that he wanted to send a representative. Kaepernick pulled out of the session in Atlanta just 30 minutes prior, expressing concern about it being closed to the public and as and a waiver the NFL wanted him to sign. Then he then um moved it to a different part of the city with his own camera crew in t- in t- in tow. Even if Kaepernick's concerns were legit, when you are seeking a job, it is the employer who holds the cards as long as nothing illegal is being asked you tend to need to do as they wish if they want you to wear a suit you wear a suit perhaps if you have enough talent it doesn't matter Kaepernick no longer did um the tryout was a disaster Kaepernick looked fine throwing the ball but no one signed him it was seen by some in the league as just an unserious publicity stunt from a guy who seemed difficult to work with. Again, who knows if that's true, but that's how the NFL took it. Well, maybe he actually does want to play. Maybe he always did, or maybe things have changed. Whatever it was, the workout with the Raiders was typical of the of how the system works. That alone should turn some heads in the NFL, or at least takes one excuse for ignoring him off the table. Kaepernick also appears quite willing to be a backup for sure. A backup. Sure, he liked to start, but every player should want that. His willingness to try out for Las Vegas suggests he isn't waiting for a guaranteed job. Derek Carr is entrenched starter in Vegas. Um, the three-time Pro Bowler hasn't missed a game since 2017 and led the Raiders to the playoffs a season ago. In April, he signed a three-year extension worth up to $121.5 million. Kaepernick knew all all of that. He knew that barring some near miracle job winning training camp, if he even signs, the Raiders were interested in him as a backup. He tried out anyway. If nothing else, maybe some other quarterback poor team sees him 
in a new light. Or maybe someone decides to take a second look at a guy who might still bring a pop of talent to the roster. Maybe Vegas signs him. Or maybe he gets another trial somewhere else. All this is a long way from Kaepernick ever returning to the NFL. But no matter what happened during the tryout, Wednesday was still a potentially significant day for the quarterback. Um, okay. Um, all right. So let me just say this though. Look, I know a lot of people will say, um, that the NFL is the most racist team, the most racist organization and stuff, right? Okay. Hold on a second. Let me just put myself on here. I know everybody is going to be saying that the NFL is the most racist organization there is, even though they're, pro- they're a private company. But um, I'll say this, though, man. Look. It's, look, it's already been, f- the th- here's the thing. It's been five years, right? Five years since he hasn't played. And, and I get, and I get that he, and I get that um, that he was raising awareness based on police brutality and stuff like that. We all know that already. And as far as like anything goes, like you know, I mean, look, he was always he he he's he was he's always going to be considered a backup player anyway. There's, I mean, it's it's kind of difficult. It's difficult in a way to be a starter of a football team. Why? Because there's already some of the football teams that already have um their their starting quarterbacks already. It's not that they don't want him. It's just it's just they already have their own um, starting quarterbacks already. As I just finished reading just now, um, was a guy named Carr, um, who's also a starting quarterback, for example. I mean, he has more experience being a starting quarterback more than Kaepernick, to be honest with you. Um, and and look, I'm not gonna stay on this for too long, but all I'm saying is this. Okay, you give him a shot, but at the same time, you also have to understand that there's never going to there's there's never going to be a guarantee. There are no guarantees in certain situations. You might be lucky to do to get that particular gig, and other times you may not. So, you know what I'm saying? You know what? Just this is a wait and see, man. We'll just wait and see. So let's just let's just move on here, man. You know. All right. So up next, what we got here is um. Here's what we got next. We have um this guy who goes by the name of. Wait a second, man. 
we go by the in other football news, we go by the name of Antonio Brown. Now, let's see. So Antonio Brown said on Saturday night that he does not plan on playing in the National Football League in 2022. The longtime NFL wide receiver attended a fan-controlled football league game. He was asked if he'll be playing in the NFL in 2022. Brown said he will not. However, as a longtime NFL insider, um, Josina Anderson points out, it wouldn't be surprising to see a team show interest in Brown after the trade deadline. If the trade deadline passes and a postseason contender has a starting WR out due to injury, um, that team would be remiss not to check out um, AB. 84 situation at said time outside of the NFL interfering seems like a challenge that also be hard for AB not to relish down the road to she reports um as Josina Anderson says on Twitter yeah I think I read that part already man yeah I read that part already um so Brown spent the 2020 season and part of the 2021 season with the Buccaneers. He was released by Tampa Bay following an on-field outburst in New York. Um. Okay, so it's got to be more to this story than this, man. Actually, you know something? I actually talked about actually talked about Antonio Brown recently in my other show, um, Off the Meat Rack Change New York podcast. He he's doing music now, which is crazy. And I haven't had a chance to listen to his to his music discography yet, but I am going to see if I can actually listen to it and then see if um if I can review it on Meticulous Vod Juice podcast. So, you know, we'll see what happens here, though. Um, so, um, yeah. All right. So, all right. What we got next here is, hang on a second here. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. Hold on a sec. I don't think I have Ben Simmons here. No. Hold on a minute here. Hold on. Ben Simmons news, actually. Hold on. Ben Simmons news. Hang on a second, folks. Um... Wait a minute here. Okay, hold on a minute. Um so let's see. Okay. All right, um wait a minute, wait a minute here. Wait a minute here. 
Hold on. Let me get a sip of water real quick, man. Sorry about that. Okay, this is according to Bleacher Report. Um, all right, so okay, so Russell Westbrook, um, Ben Simmons, and the toughest NBA stars to trade in 2022. Okay, so there's no such thing as an untradeable NBA player, it's just that some due to contract health, declining production, or a combination of all three are a little harder to move than others. Um okay. Um let me see here. Uh you know the guys we're talking about. They are the ones they are the ones rival executives won't even take calls on unless the player in questions current team is ready to pile on sweeteners in the form of valuable contracts, draft assets, or both. Um, The well actually crowd will note that most of the players will cover have been traded in the past, some of them recently. Two were even dealt for each other, but in each case, Things have changed since the last time those players switched teams. New problems have arisen that complicate the prospect of another exchange. Even as the costly deals they are on draw closer to expiration. Nobody's saying these players are stuck where they are until whenever free agency mercifully rolls around. But Figuring out how to move them before that will be among that among their team's most important and challenging goals. For most of the past eight seasons, Tobias Harris has been a reliably healthy and productive offensive player. He's averaged seventy-four point four games played since twenty fourteen, the year. He became a full-time starter for the Orlando Magic, and in every year since assuming that role, he's grabbed out as above average at his position in per um, shot attempt. Better still, he's shown growth in the past half decade, hitting over 39.0% of his threes in three of the last five seasons after failing to reach that mark in any of his first six years in the league. So what's the problem? What's he's doing what what's he doing on the list? Cost is the main issue. Harris signed a five year $120 million extension with the Philadelphia 76ers in 2019 all season and still owed 36, no, excuse me, $37.6 million in 2022 and 2023 and $39.2 million the following season, all fully guaranteed. 
that's superstar money for a player who, while ta- talented offensively, has long failed to justify his high-end salary with game-changing impact. In 2021 to 2022, Harris was a flat 0.0 in dunks and threes estimated plus minus. His career high in that catch-all stat was plus 2.2 he managed in 2020 and 2021, which ranked 62nd in the league among qualified players. Um, despite a career that shows he's barely been a break-even contributor, um, Harris is currently in line to be the league's 13th highest-paid player in 2022 to 2023. The Philadelphia 76ers won't be able to trade him without attaching a young talent like Tyrese Maxey or draft considerations. Even then, they'll still need to find a team with ample cap space to absorb um, Harris, hefty deal, or perhaps less um, palatably take back someone else's um, unwanted overpay. Um, For two glorious seasons, Duncan Robinson did one thing better than almost anyone. And that one thing shooting high-volume threes on the move happens to be worth a ton. So the Miami Heat gave him a five-year deal with $90 million in August 2021. It made sense at the time shooting is the NBA's premium skill, and Robinson, for those two years, was elite at it. Across the 2019 to 2020 and 2020 to 2021 seasons, the undrafted forward shot 42.7% from deep, by far the highest accuracy rate of anyone who got up at least 900 trays. Robinson suffered some slippage in 2021 to 2022, the first year of his new deal, as his three-point percentage dipped to 37.2%. Meanwhile, another um, undrafted scrap heap find Max Struss shot 41.0% on a minimum deal and eventually seized Robertson's starting job. Worse still, Robertson's role all but disappeared in the playoffs. In a hypothetical trade negotiation, the Heat could make the pitch that Robertson's disappointing season still featured above average three-point shooting and that the larger sample of the prior two two years um, years should carry at least as much predictive value um, as 2021 to 2022. It's hard to imagine Robertson's accuracy won't trend back north of 40.0%. But good luck to Miami when it, when it tries to justify Robinson's price tag so soon after it replaced him with a similar player making as little as the league allows. At $16.9 million next season, 
um, ascending to $19.9 million by 2025 to 2026. Sheesh. Robinson's deal isn't a cap killer. But the downside risk attached to a one-skill player is daunting. If Robinson doesn't rediscover his shot, he won't be able to provide value in any other way. There's a non-zero chance he becomes an end-of-bench player making a starter's salary. Hold on one second. The best realistic. <laughs> oh man, the best realistic case for any team acquiring um Ben Simmons. I'm sorry about that. Um Ben Simmons is that the three-time All Star will f- re- fully recover f- following back surgery and perform exactly like um the guy who averaged fourteen point three points 7.2 rebounds and 6.9 assists and made the all defensive team in 2020 and 2021 even then simmons conspicuous habit of sh- shrinking from the biggest moments will hang him over will hang over him the stain of the 2021 playoffs which saw simmons attempt zero shots in the last four fourth quarters he played against the Atlanta Hawks may never wash out. There are darker times. Simmons' back trouble may persist sapping athleticism and mobility from a player who needs tons of both to compensate for his shooting limitations. His long Season-long struggles with mental health may not be behind him either, which could further compromise his availability. And don't expect new teammates to trust Simmons right away, if ever. Toward the end of his tenure, the Sixers with whom he shared a locker were skeptical about his um, his commitment. Yeah. Um, hold on a minute here. The obvious counter is that Simmons was traded just a few months ago, so it could certainly happen again. But the swap that sent him to the Brooklyn Nets in exchange for James Harden was unusual. And, of course, obviously, James Harden, um, for those of you who may not know what happened, he was traded from Brooklyn Nets to the... uh, the uh, 76ers because of the whole Kyrie Irving sh- bullshit that went down. Um, so, you know what I'm saying? Um, all right. So, all right. So, uh, yeah. So both stars had asked out and their teams had few alternatives. Now, Simmons carries all the same questions he did prior to joining the Nets. Plus the stigma of back surgery. That's a ton of uncertainty to take on at a cost of 
and $13. million over the next three seasons. John Wall didn't play at all last year and has appeared in just 40 games since 2018, a player whose success depended largely on elite physical talent, namely speed. Wall does not um, profile as someone who retained much effectiveness on the other side of a layoff that long. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I'll say this. Um, Remember, um, prior to last year's season-long excused absence from the Houston Rockets, injuries were um, already taking a toll. Wall played only 41 games in 2017 to 2018 and 32 in 2018 to 2019. Hold on, let me see. Yeah, um... 2018 to 2019. Okay. Um at 47.4 million dollars next season, Wall will surely be among the most overpaid players in the league. And that be true if he somehow suited up for all 82 contests in impossibility given his track record. It made sense when the Rockets and Los Angeles Lakers discussed swapping their unwanted and expensive point guards as um, um, Bleacher Reports um, Jake Fisher reported in April. Our problem for yours, basically. But no deal materialized, and it's not like there's a glut of fallback options on the market. That Westbrook and Wall were already traded for one another in 2020 is pretty good proof of that. If you can't trade those two for each other, you can't trade them at all. Expect Houston to buy out the final year of Wall's contract in July, sending him into free agency where he'll suddenly become an intriguing low-cost option for a contender. That'll serve as a good reminder that being untradeable isn't the fault of any of these players. The blame belongs to the franchise that offered um, or traded for their um, albatross um, deals in the first place. And um, forget the money. Even if $47 million is a ton of cash to try to wipe from your memory. The greater obstacle for training Russell Westbrook is the former MVP's failure to adapt as he's aged. Hmm. Uncompromising competitiveness has always been among Westbrook's greatest gifts. You can imagine how a franchise that employed Kobe Bryant for 20 seasons would admire that characteristic. But Russ, um, hold on. Sorry. Um, but Russ Indomitable will doomed the deal that brought him to the Los Angeles Lakers as a theoretical third star alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Westbrooks' um 2021 was the worst season of his career. 
as measured by win shares and box plus minus. Um, his undis- undisciplined defense and wayward shooting, though unsurprising, stung more because his warning athleticism meant there was no compensating for those shortcomings with relentless rim attacks. The fit was bad from the start, but Westbrook's diminishing skills and stubborn refusal to change his his game means switching locations won't make things any better. He's already past the point where he can run past or jump over the competition. Um... When a former star plays for a different organization in four straight seasons, it's a pretty good indication that the issue is with him, not the surrounding circumstances. New Lakers head coach, head coach um, Darvin Ham praised Westbrook for, in his introductory press conference, but he also laid out a set of expectations that involved Eagles subject subjugation and defensive accountability the same ones deposed coach frank vogel did the athletics um bill oram noted the echoes and their uninspiring implications how did westbrook respond to vogel's overtures of sacrifice by ignoring vogel's pleas to sacrifice and throwing him under the bus within hours of him officially being fired. If the Lakers manage to trade Westbrook, they'll only accomplish it by finding the foolhardy team that thinks it can change him and throwing in every draft pick they are allowed to part with as payment for the hassle. All right. Okay, Um. what else? What else we got here? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What else we got here? Um, what else we got here? Talking about. Hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Come on, come on. All right. Um. Okay. Now that I'm done with that, yeah, we could talk about um. We could talk about James, um, Talon. Yeah, we could talk James Talon for a sec. Actually, yes, James Talon. Yeah, we'll talk about him. Yes, James Talon. Here we go. Okay. Um, let me see how much time we got here. Already passed an hour. That's pretty good. All right, cool. So, according to AM New York, James Talon pitched two hit ball over eight innings, following Nesta Cortez to give the Yankees their longest consecutive starts in nine years and leading New York over the Tampa Bay Rays to zip Friday night. Glabar um, Torres put the Yankees ahead with a homer in the fourth off Jeffrey Springs um, and Matt Carpenter in his, in his second game with 
New York homered later in the inning. Um, <clears throat> hold on. Um, all right, so New York opened a six-and-a-half game lead over the Rays by winning the first two games of the four-game series. The Yankees won their fourth straight following a season-worst three-game losing streak and improved to 33-13, and 13, the best start in the major leagues since the 2001 Seattle Managers opened 34-12. Talon, um, five and one, improved to five zip with a two point twenty ERA in his last seven starts, striking out five and walking none, while throwing sixty two of ninety three pitches for strikes. The thirty year old right hander, um, had not gotten an out in the eighth inning since August seventh, twenty eighteen for Pittsburgh at Colorado when he pitched his second big league complete game. Hmm. Um, Talon was sidelined from May 1st, 2019 until the start of the 2021 season while recovering from his second Tommy John surgery. Cortez threw eight plus innings of one run ball as New York won Thursday series opener in 7-2. Yankees starter had not pitched eight innings in consecutive games since CeCe Sabathia and Ivan Nova against Kansas City on July 9th and 10th, 2013. Talon retired his first 12 batters before Randy um, Arozarena's Arosa Leadoff single in the fifth. Manuel Margo stretched his hitting streak to 13 games with a six inning double. Clay Holmes struck out two in the perfect ninth for his sixth save in six chances, extending his scoreless streak to 24 innings and finishing the game in two hours and 23 minutes. New York has pitched six shutouts and shy one shy of the big league high torres led off the fourth with um his eighth homer and one shy of his total for all of last season one out later carpenter first major league home run since april 30th carpenter signed with the yankees on thursday and got his second straight start due to Aaron Hicks remaining sidelined by right hamstring tightness. Springs gave up two runs and five hits in six innings in his second major league start. The 29-year-old um, left-hander had given up one homer in 30, 31 half no, excuse me, one-third innings this year before allowing the pair in the fourth. <sighs> so, so we got the, so we got the trainer's room. Okay, third baseman Josh Donaldson, right shoulder inflammation was placed on the 10-day um, IL retroactive on two, to Tuesday. The 36-year-old third baseman had been 
on the COVID-19 IL and has not played since Sunday because the 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 open a roster spot by transferring Chad Green, um, who is in Tommy John surgery, to the 60-day IL. The D the, the DH John Carlos Stanton right calf strain has resumed hitting, and manager Aaron Boone says Stanton might spend the time might spend the minimum minimum ten days on the IL. DJ LeMahieu was out of the starting lineup for the f- fifth consecutive game because of his left wrist, which had a cortisone shot. And of course. Right-hand pitcher Jared Cole, 4-1, 3.31, uh, is to start Saturday for the Yankees. Well, yeah, I'm not going to read that. Um, so this is just the highlights of what went down with the Yankees, and I'm going to do um, the same with the Mets as well. So um, we're going to get to a, a couple of things, actually. Um... Yeah, we're going to get to a couple of things, though, man. So, first and foremost, a little update on Don Smith. Um, okay, so a little update on Don Smith, right? The New York Mets sent first baseman. Hold on. New York Mets sent first baseman um, Don Smith down to AAA Syracuse on Tuesday afternoon ahead of their game against the Washington Nationals. Smith's playing time had grown sparse due to early season struggles that saw him slash um, 186, 287, 256, 543 OPS with zero home runs and 14 RBI across A6 at-bats. Since May 18th, the last 12 games entering Tuesday night, um, the 26-year-old only accrued 20 at-bats, recording just three hits. It's been an elongated fall from grace for a player that was a top 10 bat in the National League during the COVID-shortened 2020 campaign, slashing 316, 377, 616, 993 OPS with 10 home runs, and 42 RBRs in 50 games. He even finished 13th in the um, NL MVP voting that year. Last year, however, saw a significant um, regression as his batting average um, fell to 244 and his OPS dropped to 667 in 145 games. We'll give him a chance to see if he can get back to the things he was capable of and hopefully he can do that. Mess manager Buck Showalter said we have a lot of confidence that we that he can that he will and he can be back up here helping us once our pitching has been straightened out. Um in in a corresponding um move the Mets recalled um relievers reliever um, Adonis Medina from AAA to provide some much-needed um, pitching depth for New York. With frustration building and Pete Alonso having a monster season after few chances for him to crack the lineup, Smith said as recently as two weeks ago that he would be open to going elsewhere if a team wanted him to play regularly. 
I just want to play every day, Smith told Newsday in a, in a story published May 16th. To be honest, that's what I want to do. I like where this team is going. I feel like I can impact this team in a number of ways, and that's being in the lineup every day, in my opinion. But as a person being here since I was 22, now I'm 26 and still in the same position, about to be 27. If there's a team out there that wants me to play and wants to let me play, I would love to play every day. That's just how I feel about that. He later clarified to the New York Post that he did not say he wanted to leave to play elsewhere. Um, We have a really good first baseman in Pete Alonzo, so Walter said. Smith is probably feeling like every day at bat. He has to hit f- four home runs and one at bat. He just has to settle in a comfort zone and remind him of how good he is. He is a confident guy. I've seen the work he's doing. He's going to be out there every day in AAA. Um, Now let's get in a groove where we know he's capable of being. Um, All right. So so in other Mets highlights, um, we can talk about um, Nick Plummer. Yes. So outfielder, outfielder Nick Plummer certainly deserves his shot on su- Sunday night at City Field just based on his patience, uh, whether it was waiting for an opportunity to play with the Mets or waiting throughout the hundreds of miles traveled this season as a security blanket for the organization. The 25-year-old has been a mainstay amongst the fridges um of the team for them for most of the season he had multiple stints on the taxi squad even traveling with the team for a road trip for road trips few road trips while at home his number 16 jersey inhabited at a locker at a city field despite not getting activated um all the while all the while he's experienced the carousel that is life between the majors and minor leagues getting option down to the club's minor league affiliate in AAA Syracuse. Chances in the big leagues are obviously fleeting, and Plummer's story is just another example of that. So he made the absolute most of it when he was activated and put in the starting lineup on Sunday against the Phillies, Philadelphia Phillies. Down 4-3 in the bottom of the ninth, and with a chance to sweep a three-game series from the Mets, the divisional rivals, Plummer crapped his first ever major league major major MLB hit, a screening a screaming solo home run in the second deck of the right field stance off Corey um, Nebo to tie the game. It was it was cool to be in there and start and get to play after coming up and down from Syracuse Plummer began. Um, the home runs were, was pretty surreal, really no words. I just like to sit on whatever his best pitch is. I'm just going to react on it and react to everything else. Luckily, I put a, a good barrel on it. Eduardo Escobar walked 
it off with a game-winning single in the 10th inning to give the Mets a sweep. Improve their 2022 record to 32-17 to and open up in 8.5 game league over the uh, um, the second place Atlanta Braves atop the NL East. The Phillies are 10.5 out down in third. I'm so happy for him, Escobar said of Plummer. It's unbelievable. I'm so happy for Plummer. And hopefully now comes more. Um, Plummer was selected in the first round by the St. Louis Cardinals back in 2015. And because he accrued six years in the, of minor league service time, he was granted free agency after a 2021 season in which he hit .280 with 15 home runs and 895 OPS across double and triple A. For a Mets team in search of um, natural output death um, after the departure of Michael, Michael Conforto, um, they snapped him up. I knew coming over here after signing in free agency that this was going to be a winning ball club, Plummer said. It's really been great. For them to go out and seek me in the free agency market was a big compliment for me, for myself, especially coming off my tenure with the Cardinals. Just to come over here and help the team win, you can't ask for much more. A good memory and a good win. Yeah. Yep. I did watch that game, too, so I can really agree with that, though. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's see. And I'm probably not gonna get to I'm probably not gonna get to um you know the hold on. I'm I'm gonna say the LeBron James story for like a future episode. So I'm not going to get to it in time. So um, this is going to be the last story of the night. So, okay. So another story of a Mets highlight is um, in AM New York. Um, the last time Peter Alonzo approached the plate, he never got near the bass box. Phillies manager Joe Girardi, Girardi quickly held up four fingers for an intentional walk. By then, it was too late. Alonzo Homer doubled and drove in four runs, taking over the major league RBIs and powering the New York Mets past Philadelphia 8-6 Friday night. He's always – hold on. Hold on a second. Hold on. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, he's always a pitch away manager, book um Buck Showalter said. Um adding he he never stops pushing. 
Alonzo has 45 RBIs um, this season. Yeah, this season. And has especially battered the Phillies with five home runs and 17 RBIs in 10 games against them. The slugger tied the team record of 28 RBIs in the month of May set by Willie Armantanez in 1978. Alonzo gets four more games to match the Mets record for RBIs in any month set by Hall of Famer Gary Carter with 34 in September 1985. Alonzo's RBI are the most by Mets Mets players before Memorial Day, topping Bernard Gilkey's 44 in 1996. I'm just saying to capitalize on opportunities and just be as consistent as I can every day, he said. Alonzo had a sacrifice fly in a, in a three-run first, a two-run homer, his 12th in the third, and an RBI double in the fourth. We have just such a gritty approach. We're not letting pitchers get away with mistakes, and we're – just playing really good team ball right now, he said. Alonzo also made a, a nifty diving stop at first to prevent Philadelphia from scoring early. One of six grounders he fielded for outs, and he caught pinch hitter JT Riamoto's foul pop-up to end the eighth with runners on second and third. Down seven to zip to Carlos Carrasco, the Phillies made it close by scoring six times in the sixth inning, capped by Garrett Stubbs, three-run homer. Mets reliever Drew Smith, um, Jolie Rodriguez, Seth, Ru- Seth Lugo, and Edwin Diaz held on, helping the NL East leaders beat Philadelphia for the seventh time in. 10 games this season, Diaz got his 11th save and 14 chances. Shout out by um, Carrasco, 5-1, on two two hits going into the sixth. Philadelphia rallied, infield hits by Reese Hoskins. Um, Yeah, Reese Hoskins and Alec Baum set up RBI singles by Bryce Harper and Nick Castellanos. A run score, a run scoring, um, grounded by Gene Segura, and a two-out walk to Adubo Herrera, brought on lefty Chasen Shreve, um, and the lefty hitting Stubbs lined out, lined a drive into the right field seats. Showalter said Carrasco jammed his thumb, fielding a ball in in the inning, but didn't expect it to be a problem. The Mets added a run. In the bottom half of starting Monte's RBI grounder. Hits by pitch. The Phillies and Mets have a recent history of dust dust steps, dust ups over batters being hit by pitches. And they've already have a couple of tense moments this season. After Segura was hit by hitting the left hand by Carrasco in the top. Of the second, JT Davis nailed in the elbow by Falter's first pitch in the bottom half. Bottom half, there were um no plunkings. So, 
of course, um, Lopez Ubjankowski out. Right-handed um, reliever Yuan Lopez had his three-game suspension cut to one game and served the penalty. He was recalled from AAA Syracuse before the game and sat out. NBA ruled out that he intentionally threw at Philly slugger Kyle Schwarber on May 1st. Meanwhile, outfielder Travis Jankowski is expected to miss six to eight weeks because of a broken hand, left hand. He had surgery and a screw was inserted. Walter said Jankowski appeared to get hurt while making um, a diving catch. Um, Right-hand pitcher Jacob DeGrom shoulder through on flat ground before the game. He will travel with the team when it begins to a road trip to the West Coast in early June. Um, the two-time Cy Young Award winner hasn't pitched his season. Up next, um, right-hand pitcher Tyron Walker um, is trying for his first home win since last June 15. He'll be up against um, this Phillies, Zach Eflin, game time. Yeah. So that was your highlight of the Mets. Um, I am, like I said, I am going to save the LeBron James story for um a future episode. So, so there it is, right there. Um, all right. Um, all right. Yeah, I'm gonna save that actually. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to save that, actually. So, there you go. Um, okay. I think that's going to do it. Um, okay, listen. Um, you like what you heard in today's episode 27? Um... You feel free to show some love by making a charitable donation to my cash app, which is um, which is dollar sign G Money Stacks um, five fifty five. Um, that's dollar sign capital G lowercase M O N E Y capital S lowercase T A C K Z five fifty five. Once again, it's not about breaking the bank; it's all about doing the best you can on whatever amount of money you decide to donate will be appreciated all right and um i am gonna go ahead and jump into um gonna go ahead and jump into um this little thing right here that i like to call stream choices on the go all right y'all know the routine um be sure you um, follow Excellent Fun Vibrant Podcast, a sports edition show, Meticulous Vibe Juice Podcast, um, the review show, and of course, Off the Meat Rack Chains New York Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And of course, um, follow me at G Money Stacks 555 in Queens, New York. Make sure you tap the not- notification bell. So you can be reminded of when um, I'm going to be on Instagram live and I am going to get into 
where you can listen to the episodes and stuff. So make sure you subscribe to the audio streaming platforms of the, the podcast that I'm going to be announcing. And you can leave a voice message for me if you have any questions, if you have any um comments, um, any ideas of what, what to talk about in this sports podcast right here. And... And you know the rest right there, though. So if you have any questions, you can DM me at gmoneystacks555 in Queens, New York on there. So starting with Anchor, um, Audible, Audacity, Amazon Music, Breaker, CastBox FM, Deezer, Listen Notes, Moon FM, Podcast, Player FM, Pocket Cast, Podfriend, um, Podorama, Podopolo, Podcast Addict. Podcast Index, Podchaser, Podverse, Recent Reason FM, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts. Make sure you listen. Make sure you um leave a five star rating on Podchaser, Podfriend, and Spotify. And you can also listen to excellent, fun, vibrant podcasts on Radio Public, iHeartRadio, the number one app for. Music, radio, and podcasts, and you can also follow my other podcast, which is um Meticulous Survive Juice Podcast Review Show and Off the Meat Rack Chains New York Podcast on there, and of course, and of course, lastly, make sure you grab that subscribe button on the YouTube channel of Excellent Fun Vibrant Podcast, the YouTube channel. Tap that noty noty bell so you can be reminded of when the show goes in the air via live stream. Leave a like and a comment along with the episodes. And of course, um, share the episodes, share the videos, stay tuned for more video content, upcoming episodes, previous episodes. And of course, make sure you download these episodes. Make sure you catch up on all the previous episodes that's already out right now and of course make sure you um listen make sure you stream make sure you share the episodes share the videos make sure you tell a friend to another friend um make sure you share the podcast with your husbands your wives your boyfriends girlfriends and of course, your friends, and 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 yeah. So, so like I said, make sure you catch up on all the episodes that you missed. It's already on every streaming platform, including YouTube. What's up? Or make sure you um, make sure you comment. Um, and like I said, if you have any questions, make sure you DM me at gmoneystacks five fifty five in Queens, New York. And you can leave a voice message on the anchor page where it says Excellent Fun Vibrant Podcast. Link tree slash Excellent Fun Vibrant Podcast. You're going to see the name of the show on there. You're going to see the word message on there. And you're going to um you're going to um record your message on there. And I will um I will go over it. And and yeah, that's it. I'm G Money Stacks. Thank you very much for listening and tuning in and rocking with me. I really appreciate you for listening to episode 27. I do apologize for um for the delays of the um the future episodes, 
but I am going to get back in my podcasting rhythm without any um thing being, you know, interrupted. So there you go right there. So remember, the grind does not stop. So so trust the process, don't rush the process, and if you have a dream, go ahead and do do what makes you happy. All right? And um and for the most part, you know, think about your well-being mentally, physically, and spiritually. All right. Um, that's going to do it, man. Thank you. I appreciate you. Peace and one love. And I'll see you next time in the next episode. Peace and one love and have yourself a good night. Hey guys, G Money Stacks here. You like what you heard? I need your help on some things. Go to the YouTube channels like Excellent Fun Vibrant Podcast Sports Edition Show, G Money Stacks 555, and Meticulous Vibe Juice Podcast by grabbing the subscribe button, enable alerts with the notification bell, leave a like, comment on the episodes, including the topics, and much more. Plus, you can catch up on the episodes on streaming platforms, including YouTube, by going to the link that says Linktree slash Excellent Fun Vibrant Podcast. Make sure you follow on Instagram, Excellent Fun Vibrant Podcast, Meticulous Vibe Juice Podcast, Off the Meat Rat Chains New York Podcast, alongside with myself, G Money Stacks 555 in Queens, New York. Thank you so much for tuning in and rocking with me and listening to the episodes. Peace and one love.